Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Oh, pretty much in prayer for our young people as they head out to camp, and it's going to be a glorious weekend for them. Uh, I mentioned I was in Michigan. Also had another incident. We had a, an, an encounter around the water that turned a little bit um, sideways with um, a, a child that um, was um, on the spectrum and had a really sweet encounter in the water, but then out of the water it turned um, a little bit out of control, so they were able to bring it under control, but not after things just got out of hand. They had to wrestle blood on people, his face, his father's face, just just out of control, and but yet God is touching people, and we're believing that young man to be completely healed and restored. And just the devil acting out, just the devil acting out. And so um, it just let me know the intensity of the brokenness of our, of our bodies at times. You know, that it's just not his fault, not the parents' fault, but the body's broken. And, um, and we ministered to him for a long, long time. But then after all of that went on in front of everybody, the mother was there just devastated, humiliated. She was broken. And she's on the ground. And her son's outside. And she just could, she was frozen in pain of her broken heart. That that's my son. It lets me know. That God is our only hope and our only answer in many situations, if not in every situation. And we have to be prepared to meet the challenges that are coming into the house of God. There are going to be more uh, and more desperate people. As the world grows darker, the church has got to shine brighter. As the world gets meaner, the church has got to be more loving than ever before. And our toleration is not for sinful behavior, but a toleration for people who are broken to come in. And there's grace in our hearts to receive them. Right? Does that make sense? Amen. Okay, so y'all pray. I'll leave early tomorrow morning for Denver for two nights um, at a church called Church on the Front Range. How about that? And um, they're really excited. I'm really excited. Be back Saturday afternoon in time for prayer. So y'all pray. Pray for that. Amen. I'm excited what God's going to teach us tonight. I want you to go to Hebrews 10. And we're going to look at Hebrews 10, Hebrews 11. I want to talk a little bit about faith tonight. Um, I don't know if any of you practiced what I uh, taught last um, Wednesday night about listening to the whisper, lingering a little bit longer in his presence. I hope that you've been... Um, taking advantage of that as the Lord speaks to you. I, I want to I mention to you and, and just feel, deal specifically with, with faith, but I want to hit um, a mindset straight on that the devil can put on us when we do not see a miracle instantly or a miracle in a few days or in short order. 
I want to deal with faith. Now, if you look at Hebrews 10, and I want you to, um, to pay attention to verse 32, and I want to read a couple of scriptures. Hebrews 10, the author says, Recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured great struggle with sufferings. Now, guys, look at those words. Great struggle with sufferings. When you become a Christian, it does not eliminate our capacity to have struggles and suffering. Being saved is not a card that gives you a pass. All right? The Bible is very clear on this. Suffering can come to believers. And it's not a sign of you not being spiritual are loving Jesus enough. Partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me and my chains. Okay, now we got struggles. Okay. Now we got suffering and now we got chains. This is not how to grow a church, by the way. And joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. We've got to be heavenly minded, right? Therefore, do not cast away your confidence. That's huge. Which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. We all need endurance, right? Okay, this is important where we are in a culture and where we're heading as a society. Things are shifting. Things are getting darker. I was amazed that the state of Ohio voted the way they did yesterday. It just lets us know that the whole world is getting darker and darker and darker. Now they have approved and it is a state right that you can mutilate and murder a child up until birth. It's just, it's just and, you, and you would think, now, the whole state vote, not everybody voted for it, but the state, the majority approved that. It lets you know that we're living in a very debased society. We need revival now more than ever, right? For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by what? By faith. And if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Now, think about that for a moment. The Lord will take, it doesn't mean he doesn't love you. It's just that he has, he finds no pleasure in us drawing back. But we are not of those who draw back. Touch somebody and say, I'm not drawing back. Okay. We're not of those who draw back to perdition, but we are of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Now, chapter 11 is all about faith. Okay. Let's pick up in verse 17. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want to make up a couple points. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, who had received the promises offered up in his only begotten son of whom it was said. All right. Now, verse 20. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. Verse 21. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his sons, Joseph, worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children. Okay, you got it. 
23, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months. 24, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh. By faith, he forsook Egypt. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea. You got it? By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Now, if you read literally Hebrews 11, 1 through 30, you would think that every time you use faith, that faith would give you Jericho crumbling wall type of experience, right? Or every time that you believed and had faith, there would be some type of manifestation that accelerates you forward and you watch kingdom power obliterate every enemy. There is room for this. Got it? Faith allows you to excel. I want you to use that word, excel, okay? And if you read verses 17 through um, uh, all the way down to 31, there is faith that allows us to see the supernatural power of God. I want that faith. That faith is in this house. We've watched it, have we not? We've seen it. Every baptizer, every person that assists, every person that hands out a towel, every individual that sits in those chairs, that helps them in the changing rooms, leads worship, ushers, altar ministry, we have this type of faith in this house. It's here. It's prevalent. It's dominating. It's, I'm telling you, it's attractive. Right? But have we seen every single person healed? No, we have to be honest with that. We have to deal with that. We have to be intellectually honest when we have prayed for people with faith and yet they've not been healed. I don't know why all the, all the parameters and all the details, but it's a reality. And I think our, our society appreciates our honesty with that, that we're not covering it up, or that when we share a testimony, we give all the details, like they got baptized, but they've been on three doses of chemo and radiation. We want to let the whole world know that nurses and doctors are not the enemies of God. They are partnering with God. Now, they may not be faith people, but they want to see people well. They may be an atheist, but their heart has led them into the medical field because they want to see suffering people be made better, right? I mean, you understand that. So we're not in competition. We're not ever, ever have we said anything degrading to the medical community. I love I love doctors and nurses. I love practitioners. I love them all. Amen. I don't care if you're a believer or not. When I'm sick and you can help me, help me. There's not a litmus test if you're going for surgery, right? I mean, you're like, have you done this before? Yeah, yeah. And you go, all right, let's get this on. Praise the Lord. Okay, now, so there's this type of faith that we all are, are wanting to use and exercise, and I thank God for it, and that's where we want to be. All right, now, now look at verse 32. 
But what shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell you of Gideon. So now he's flipped a page. Samson and Japheth and also of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, and out of weakness were made strong and became valiant in battle and turned to flight of armies uh, turned the flight of the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Now you're looking at a similar category, but there is a slight shift. Every one of these had obstacles and problems. Do you see it? Some of them had swords drawn on them, facing lions, facing terrible situations. Sometimes there is faith not only to excel, but faith to escape. Does that make sense? That you have faith, okay, to escape a situation. Mm -hmm. Faith that allows you not to be burned alive, eaten alive, or stabbed until you die. There are different types of faith that when you're in a particular situation, you need to know what to do and what to say and how to say it. Faith to excel, faith to escape. But then here's another group. Are you ready for this one? All right. I don't know if you're quite ready for this. Others were tortured. Not accepting deliverance. They did this so they could obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. This is gory. Sawn in two. Were tempted. Were slain with the sword. Wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. If I'm praying for someone that's sick. That's a faith that I'm releasing on them. If I'm in a situation where I need an immediate miracle, that's a different situation. Now it becomes personal. Then there's a time when all hell has been released on you. And God's not bringing you out of it. Now, the more... I don't know how to say this segment Karen, help me find the right word in our, in our, in the church arena would look at this particular passage of scripture and say, what's wrong with these people? They did not have enough faith. 
But there are certain times, and I don't understand this, but I have to be true to the text. I have to be true to the word of God. They prayed. I'm sure they cried out. God deliver us. I'm sure there was a group over here that pray, prayed. God deliver mama. Don't let him be sown in, or, my, or my dad be sawn in two. Don't let the lions eat them. And yet they were tortured. And, in, and, and, and yet God did not intervene. I don't like that. I like intervention. I like deliverance. I like to have a miracle story. But guys, look at the text. This is the word. So there is a faith that is required when an individual is undergoing suffering and you don't know where God is. It's called enduring faith. Faith to excel, faith to escape. And when the angels are standing by and they come and pull you out of prison and say, we're taking you to the guillotine unless you denounce Jesus. And none of the angels rescue you like they did with Peter out of the inner chamber. And you place your neck on the guillotine and they drop it. It is at that moment. And as you walk through that crisis. That we have to have what we call enduring faith. Now up until this point we're believing. It's not that we're not believing. It's not that we are not having faith in God. And we are continuing to believe. But for some reason, the guillotine falls. We immediately transferred from one place to the next. Our family suffers, but our faith now becomes sight. I don't understand the workings of God in every circumstances. But if you came to me and said, I am going to go to the guillotine, they're sentenced me to death. My faith is going to be for your release. And believe until the very end. But if it doesn't happen. Then I've got to transition into a place of trust in him. Are we okay? Does this make sense to you? Okay. I want you to look. Hold your spot there. Go to Matthew 14. Because there's a phrase that has something that has always perplexed me to a degree. And I had a gentleman talk to me about this and, I, and it just, I think, helped me. You have Peter and Jesus walking on water, right? Only two people in the, in the history of the world that we know of walked on water. And it was Jesus and Peter. I've tried it. Have you tried it? <laughs> Be honest. None of us have done it, right? Yeah, you know. So it, it's, 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 we've not done it, all right? So, so here's Peter getting out of the boat. The other um, part of the, the, the group stays in the boat. Peter's the only one that gets out, right? Do you see that? I mean, it's in Matthew 14 right here. And, and he said, Lord, let me come to you. And he says, come. And Verse 29, he said, come. And when Peter had come out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, 
there was an element of faith there. But he saw that the wind was boisterous. He was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, and then Jesus said something to him, oh, you with little faith. I'm thinking he's got a lot of faith, right? I mean, if you're walking on water, you've got a whole bunch of faith. And Jesus says, you have little faith. And I know he's talking about you, you took your eyes off of me and, and so you, you stopped believing but here's what I think may be the, 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 the heartbeat of this. Peter, you did not have enduring faith. Enough faith to start. Enough faith to believe. Enough faith to lock your eyes on me. But when trouble surrounded you, things that you... Now you, you're feeling the heat of it, the water, the splashing, okay? You're getting a little wobbly. It's, a, it's a something that you thought was going to be like walking on, on, on crystal glass, and it was going to be good, but now there's some this instability, and you may be up and down and waves splashing all over you, and he took his eyes off of him, and that's why he sank. I, I think that he's not really coming against him because he had no faith, but he had little faith that endured for a little while. And if there's anything that I, I feel that we all perhaps need to work on, because there's faith for miracles in this room. If I put you in front of someone and said, God's going to heal them, you put your hands on them, your face out the roof. You believe that, right? We've seen it. Okay. Someone's sick. We believe God's going to raise them up. But where the rubber really meets the road is, is when some of us are suffering and there's no answer. And it just seems to be perpetual. One day after another, and we go, God, we ask, we have faith, where are you? It's when the waves are splashing and you feel the heat of the circumstance that we've got to keep holding on and anchoring down that my God is good, even though I don't understand. My God is faithful, even if it requires that I lay my life down for him. Even if my physical frame suffers and is beaten or burned or thrust through with a spear, my God will not forsake me. I'm just a sojourner for 80 to 85 to 90 years, and yet... This will pass in a blink of an eye, and then I will be with God. Does this help anybody? Write this down. Here's what you need when you're going through a crisis to help you develop enduring faith. Four things very quickly. I'm going to give them to you. I'm not going to preach on them. Number one, you've got to speak to yourself. Remember a few weeks ago in Ephesians chapter 5 that we talked about speaking to yourself in Psalms and hymns, and making melody in your heart, and speaking to one another. The enemy always tells you God is not good. God has forsaken you. The enemy would tell you if you had more faith, this wouldn't be happening to you. 
If you had not made this mistake, you would not be in this situation. It is in times, guys, of crisis that enduring faith is essential. And we get weak. We get tired. We get weary. We get like, where are you, God? But we have to build ourselves up in our most holy faith by speaking to ourselves. Number two, write it down. Not only that, you got to stay in the word of God. Put your face in the book. Be acquainted with the book. Number three, attend like your life depended on it, a spiritual church. Not a church, but a spiritual church. That is speaking faith. That's speaking honestly. That's speaking the word of God. Talk to me. You have to be in a great Bible. Not listen to this. Not Bible believing church, but Bible practicing church. Bible practicing church. Number four, surround yourself with the right faith people. You can get in a group of people, and you know them while they're at work, right? That will breathe death into you, unbelief into you, okay? Bring you down to their level of faith. But if you surround yourself with people that will hold your arms up, that when you're weak and you don't believe like you should, they can believe for you. Talk to me in this house. That they can see what's best for you. They can see that you've made progress. They can remind you of the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, that he'll never abandon you, never walk out on you, never forsake you. This is why it is imperative where you go to church and the relationships that you develop inside and outside the church. A three-fold cord or, or, or three-piece um, three cord. I know I'm not quoting it right. Somebody help me out there. Three-strand cord is not easily broken. All right? One by itself can be easily snapped. But you put them together and you form a rope that are intertwined with each other, it is very difficult for that thing to be broken. I know that when Karen and I have walked through um, what we walked through the last six months, eight months, or whatever it is, our relationships mattered. The people, around, people in this church would have no idea how valuable their words of encouragement were. What it meant to us when you would come up and say, God's given me a, a scripture for you. And we would read it, and that would be the very thing that God would use to, to really under, undergird my foundation or Karen's foundation, wouldn't it, Karen? Or, um, you know, people would come, and they'd just text us and call or email and says, hey, I'm just thinking about you. Here's, here's a scripture that God's given me, and we'd latch onto it, okay? See, we all need one another. We have to have each other in the body. And, and we got to develop relationships. We got to have community. We got to get together and, and, and love on each other because we're weak at times. The Bible says if a brother falls, he says those that are, are more spiritual at that time, those that are more spiritual, 
hear him, restore him, and undergird him. And in doing so, you'll save a brother. Right? This is valuable. So those four things, very important and not really deep, that, that you speak to yourself, that you go into a right place of worship and church that's not only a, not a Bible-believing church, come on now, but a Bible-practicing church, and then you surround yourself with the right people. All right? Let's do it, okay? Now, do not let the devil tell you that if the things that are going on in your world is basically because you don't have enough faith, this is what's happening. Muster all the faith that you can, develop your faith, and grow your faith, right? And keep believing. Keep believing. Keep professing it. Keep talking it. Keep proclaiming it until your last breath. Lord, I know they tell me I've got 3% chance of living, but I'm believing for my healing. I'm believe, until you feel I'm exhausted and I'm ready to check out, go to the other side. Our faith is going to be there for the healing. But if you pass on, you transition to the other side, we're going to mourn. We're going to cry, but we're going to rejoice because you finished well. You didn't draw back. You didn't pull back. We kept believing. Amen. Okay, I wanted to give you balance on that subject tonight. Is that all right? Faith to escape. Faith to endure. And faith to excel. Let's stand to our feet. Come on, let me pray for you. Sunday morning is going to be heavenly. I'm telling you guys, do not miss Sunday morning. Sunday night, Matt Scott will be with us from the church over in Moody, Alabama, the gathering, um, the gathering place. He's coming with a word. There's a lady at his church um, came in. We baptized her, Karen. I don't know. I hope that she's here Sunday night with cancer. Young lady. Young lady with family. God touched her in the water. Goes back. Runs all the tests. And then we're talking about desperate situation. She's dying. Goes back cancer free. I know he's going to share the story. I know there will be a picture. I hope that she can come and be here right in front of us as a miracle. All right? Praise God. Amen? Lord, I bless the greatest gathering in all of the world right here. Lord, there's not a more important gathering than this. I don't care the Senate. I don't care, Lord, if it's Congress in any way. I don't care if it's in the president's inner chambers right there in his Oval Office. This right here, the most important gathering on the planet. Encourage them, Lord. Breathe life over them, God. Let them know we celebrate them and we honor them. Touch them. Keep sickness and disease from their dwelling. Cause their children to prosper in every way. May our daughters grow up in palaces. Oh, Lord. And our men, young men, be strong and valiant. Lord, we praise you for the princesses. And Lord, we thank you for the princes. We thank you, Lord, for the kings and queens in this room. We bless them in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you. Love you guys. Thank you all.